Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled God's Chosen Place of Worship. It will be focused on the study of Deuteronomy chapter 16. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chosen place of worship in Jesus Christ. For you said the name of the Lord is a mighty tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Help us to take safety under that blood. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Chapter 16 Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God, of the flock and the herd, in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. Neither shall there anything of the flesh, which thou sacrificest the first day at even, remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. At the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt turn in the morning and go unto thy tents. Six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are among you, in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days after that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter, and thy manservant and thy maidservant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. 
in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, throughout thy tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not wrest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise, and pervert the words of the righteous. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. Neither shalt thou set thee up any image, which the Lord thy God hateth. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, God's Chosen Place of Worship. This was preached in 1965 on February the 22nd. We'll begin at paragraph 11 up to paragraph 48. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Now, my subject tonight is God's chosen place of worship. If you notice, the month A-B-A-D-B there is means April. The month of April is when they were brought out. And now, the strange thing is that we tonight, as worshipers of God in this day that we live in, and we find so many different ideas of people. And as long as there's different ideas about things, there's got different questions, there's got to be one true answer to every question that's asked. If I would ask the question, what is this? Well, it'd say, a desk. What is it for? See, now, there, somebody might say, it isn't a desk, it's a board. Well, it is a board, but yet it's a desk. You see, there's got to be a true answer to it. And if I ask a question about anything, there's got to be a true answer. There can be something close to it, but there's got to be a true, direct answer to every question. So therefore, every question that comes up in our lives, there's got to be a true, correct answer. And now, today, we hear it said so many of our uh, people in the world today as being a missionary have taken several trips uh, across the sea and around the world. I've been in contact with many different religions, such as Buddha and Mohammed and, and Sikhs and Jains and what more, uh, of the religions of the world. And then here in our own United States and other foreign countries, meet with all of our different churches, such as our denominational churches, beginning with the early Roman Catholic and then to the Greek and so forth and the, the different rites, and then down into the, all the denominational ages of 900 and something different Protestant denominations. Now, each one of them, of course, you could see their idea, and I cannot blame them. Each one claims that they are the truth. They have the truth, and uh, the people that belongs to those churches should believe that, because they have staked their, their destination, their eternal destination, upon the teaching of that church. 
And they're so much different one from the other till it makes 900 and something different questions. Therefore, being 900 and something different questions, there's got to be one correct answer. And I would like for us tonight, being that we're trying to go to heaven and to meet our Lord Jesus, who we all love, I would like to search in the Scriptures to find that. Now, if it is a Bible question, then it should have a Bible answer. It should not be able to come from a group of men, from any certain uh, 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 fellowship, or from some educator, or from some denomination. It should come straight from the Scripture, where God's meeting place is of worship. And surely, being God, there is a meeting place somewhere that He meets. Now, we find out here that in Deuteronomy here, at the beginning, Moses reciting back the Scripture, the things that he had told them, how he brought them out, the great strong arm out of Egypt, and at first established them. They were called the people of God until they come out of the Egypt, and then they were called the church of God. Because the church is a congregating, or the word of the church means called out ones. Those who have been called out, and they come out of Egypt in order to be the church. Now, God told them, when they, before they established the temple, whatever they did, I will choose the place of my worship, and I'll put my name in it. And that's the only place that God would ever meet anybody, was by His own choosing. He chose His place and where he chose his place, he put his name. The second verse here tells us that. He would put his name in the place that he had chosen for people to worship him in. Now, the thing of it is, we want to find where that place is. With 900 and something different ideas, being it we're bypassing all heathen religion and just speaking of Christian religion, which... Uh, uh, have a feeling for the heathens or I certainly wouldn't be going over there talking to them. But they're wrong. Christianity is the only religion that's true. It's Christianity. I'm saying that not exactly because I am a Christian, because I believe that to be the truth. It's the only religion that's right. I've been to the grave where the white horse has changed every four hours. Or Mohammed, a great uh, priest and leader right after Christ, was supposedly to be a prophet. And I don't doubt but what he was, right? It's the Maccabee brothers. But when they, he died, he claimed that he had raised again and would conquer the whole world. Now, about every four hours, they changed guards and they keep a white horse at his grave. They have for 2,000 years, expecting him to rise again and conquer the world. But you see, and you go to Buddha. Buddha lived uh, many hundred years, about 2,300 years ago, the god of, of Japan. And... Um, so he was a philosopher, something like Confucius and so forth. But all these far, uh, founders and so forth, all of them died with their philosophy and buried and in the grave. But Christianity, which is established by Jesus Christ, there is an empty tomb. He was the only man that ever stood on earth and lived and said, I have power to lay my life down and raise it up again. And he did it. And he lives today. And we know he lives because he is with us and proves himself.
by physical signs and wonders that he promised that he would do to show it, insomuch as the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness is with us today. Even having its picture taken, performing the signs and wonders that he promised it would do in this day. Seeing all the words that he promised being made manifest this day. Therefore, the rest of heathen world is out. It's Christianity. Now being that there's 900 and something questions about where God meets. He meets with the Methodists or he meets in the Baptists and he meets in this and that and the other. Now there's a question there. So everyone has to seek out his own salvation with fear and trembling. But tonight, I want to try to find and prove in the Scripture where the correct place is where God meets and worships with the people. And if that's it, that's the only place he'll ever meet. Now, we took this text out of Deuteronomy. It's a Greek word which uh, has a compound meaning, or it means two laws. The Greek word Deuteronomy means two different laws. And that's just what God has, two different laws. And one of them is a law of death, and the other is a law of life. God has two laws. To follow Him and serve Him and worship Him is life. To reject it is death. There's two laws in God. Now, one of those laws was rec- uh, made recognized to the world at Mount Sinai. God gave the law to Moses and Israel. Not that the law could help them, but the law only pointed out to them that they were sinners. Until that time, they didn't know what sin was until they had a law. There cannot be a law without a penalty. A law is not a law without penalty. So, therefore, the transgression of the law is sin, and the wages of sin is death. So therefore, until God made them a law, there was no uh, transgression reckoned to them. If there's no law here that says you can't run over 20 miles an hour, then you can run over 20 miles an hour. But when there's a law that says you can't do it, then there's a law and there's a penalty behind it. Now, death, or the law of death, was the commandments given on Mount Sinai, which told man that he was a sinner. And to transgress God's law, he died. But there's no salvation in the law. The, it was only a policeman that could put you in jail. It had nothing to bring you out with. But then he gave another law. That was at Mount Calvary, Amen. where sin was reckoned in Jesus Christ. And there the penalty was paid, and not with, without law, but by grace you are saved by the grace of God through predestination. Of God's foreknowledge of your being. Now, we see these two laws. Deuteronomy, speaking of two laws, there was two laws. One was the law of death and the other in the law of life. There was also two covenants given to the people. We're going to speak of them in the morning. One of them was given to Adam on condition. If you do this and don't do that. But that law was broken. Adam, Eve broke that in the Garden of Eden. Then God made the second covenant. And give that to Abraham. And that law was unconditional. It isn't what you've done or what you will do. He said, I've already done it. That's grace. That's the law of life. God did that for Abraham and his seed after him. That's all of Abraham's seed. As the Bible said, all Israel will be saved. But that don't mean Jews. As Paul said, that Israel which is inward are Israel outward. Outward, as we spoke of the other night, it was Isaac's children by sex. But the law 
of God was through Christ, which was Abraham's royal seed, that by grace all Israel is saved. That's all that's in Christ is saved. Oh, God's second covenant. But all these things foreshadowed Christ. Now, notice the second verse. The second verse here in Deuteronomy 16. Worship in the place that I have chosen. Now, you must worship God, he said, in the place that I have chosen. Not what someone else chose, but what I have chosen. Now, if God chose the place, it behooves us then to find out what he said about it. And where is it? I want to find it. Because truly, I want to worship him. We all are here tonight to worship Him. We're sitting here tonight as Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Jehovah Witness, Christian Science and all, but we're all seeking something. We want to know truth. The Bible said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Somebody, you can't know what you're doing. You don't know how to do it until you know how to do it. You don't know what to do until you know how to do it, rather. You must know what you're doing and how to do it. This... um, shows us that God has a meeting place for His worshipers in one certain place, and that place only God meets His worshipers. Now, also, the place He has chosen for His worshipers, He claimed He would put His name. Now let's search out and find through the Scripture where this place is. Surely, if God said He'd put His name in this place where He had chosen to meet the people and worship with them, or them worship Him, rather, that is somewhere in the Bible. For it was for all ages. And the great unchanging God cannot change. Man changes. But you can put your life upon anything that God ever said at any time. Because it is truth. It is truth. Because that's the only thing I can have confidence in is the Bible. Because man's word will fail, but God is supreme. This year, I should know more than I know last year. You should too. Each day, we're finite, so we gain knowledge. But God is infinite. He's infinite. And being infinite, He cannot gain knowledge. He is perfect to begin with. Every decision has to be exactly right. And the way God acted one time, He must forever act that way, or He acted wrong when He acted the first time. If a man ever come to God for salvation upon the basis that He accepted him on, it's got to be accepted on that same basis every time. That's right. If a man ever come to God for divine healing and God accepted him upon a certain base, the next man comes, he's got to accept him the same way, or he did wrong when he accepted the first man. God made a basis that he would meet a man on. He made a basis at what he would do, how he would do it. And that was through the sacrificial blood of a lamb in the Garden of Eden. God has never, no time, ever changed it. He decided how he would save man. We've tried today to educate man into it. We tried to school him, tried to educate him, tried to denominate, tried to do all these other kinds of things, bring him in, shake him in, baptize him in, every other way there is, bring him in by letters, but still remains the same. God meets the man under the shed blood of the Lamb. Blood was God's way in the beginning, and blood's God's way tonight. It's good to do penance and all these things, but salvation only comes through blood. Blood is the only way that God chose to save man, and He cannot change it. Job 
had the same thing. He knew that he was a righteous because he had offered the, the sacrifice that God had required of him. Now, let us search now to see what this place is and the place he put his name. We're going to have to find out where he put his name. Then if we find out what God's name is and where he put it, then we've got the place of worship. As soon as we find that. All these things, of course, were shadows of things to come. All the law was foreshadowing of the things to come. Just like the moon is a shadow of the sun. It serves in the absence of the sun, just like the church is to serve in the absence of the S-O-N of God. In the absence of the sun, the lesser light, the church, the believers, serve God and give light. In the absence of the sun. But when the sun rises, you don't see the moon no more because it's gone down. It doesn't need its light anymore because it only gets its light secondarily off the sun. Now, like husband and wife, the sun and moon is. Church and Christ. Now we find that these things being a shadow of Christ. Every sacrifice, feast, and everything in the Old Testament foreshadowed Christ. Just as a shadow strikes across the floor. Now here's where we're going to have to find the correct place of worship. Is to go back here in the Old Testament where it was given and see what these things were. Now when a shadow comes across the floor, you can tell whether it's man, woman, or beast, or whatever it might be, because it casts a shadow upon the floor. And as that shadow gets shorter, the shadow being a negative, and there cannot be a negative without a positive, therefore, when the positive becomes closer to the negative, the negative is swallowed up in the positive. The shadow and the, uh, and the positive comes together. And that's what makes it then uh, uh, the positive. And if all the old things the Bible said in the Old Testament were shadows of the things to come, then therefore Christ was a shadow of things to come. So we can see by the Old Testament types where he chose to put his name and uh, to for now. Now as the shadow is a, crosses the floor, I said, is a negative, being a type, so we, the worshipers, also can see the shadows of the Old Testament fading into the positive of the new. Now, all the feasts, the holidays, all the tabernacle, all the wood, everything in the tabernacle, everything type Christ. All the offerings, all the laws, everything was a type of Christ. We've been through it time after time here at the tabernacle. Then we see by these that every creed Church and denomination is left far behind. Yes. It's not even in the race at all. Every creed, every church, every denomination Amen. is completely left out. There's no place for them at all. Nothing is typed in the Old Testament or anywhere in the Bible of the church but the forced unity of Babel Tower. That's the only thing that types the unity. Because it was by Nimrod... A wicked man who went out and forced all the little countries to come into one place in this great tower. It was a religious worship, of course, but not considered in the Word of God. So there is where you see denominational religion type, the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament, which this religion was certainly a religion, but not the religion of the Word of God. God has not chosen to put His name in any denomination. I want the scripture for it if it is. I know they claim he has, but he hasn't. He cannot put his name in many places because he said he put his name in one place. And that one place 
Each one of our denominations won't say they are that place, but it's contrary. But where did he put his name? Now, and what is his name first? We'll have to name, find what God's name is before we can find what it is he's putting in the place. Now we find out that he had many titles. He's called the, he was called Father, which is a title. And he was called Son, which is a title. He was called Holy Ghost, which is a title. He's called Rose of Sharon, which is a title. Lily the Valley, a title. Morning Star, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. Seven different compound redemptive names, but all of them were titles. None of them were names. But he has a name. When he met Moses, he had not a name yet. And he told Moses, I am that I am. And when we see Jesus on earth, speaking in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, I beg your pardon, St. John, the sixth chapter, he said, I am that I am. They said, well, you're a man out over 50 years old and say that you've seen Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And I am was the one, the burning bush, the pillar of fire that was in the burning bush back in the days of Moses. The I am, the I am. And now we find out that Jesus said also, I came in my Father's name. And you receive me not. Then the name of the Father must be Jesus. Amen. That's right. Amen. The name of the Father is Jesus, because Jesus said, I carry my Father's name. I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. Then his name was Jesus. And Gabriel called him Jesus. The prophets called him Jesus. And he was absolutely Jesus. Before his birth, even the holy prophet called his name Emmanuel which is God with us. Amen. Then God was manifested in the flesh in order to take away the sin of the world. And in doing so, he was given the name of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus is the name. Amen. And the name was placed in a man, not a church, Amen. not a denomination, Amen. not a creed, but a man. He chose to place his name in Jesus Christ. Now we find out that then he becomes the place of God's worship, where you worship him. Ever before he was even born, his name was called Jesus. It was so important. It's given to his mother by the angel, Gabriel, that his name would be called Jesus. Son of God, what he was. There, we have it, man. This is it. Alone. It is for him alone. God's chosen place of worship. God's place chose, God chose to meet man was not in a church, not in a denomination, not in a creed, but in Christ. That's the only place that God will meet a man and he can worship God is in Christ. That's the only place. No matter if you're Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, whatever you might be, there's only one place that you can correctly worship God. That's in Christ. Romans 8, 1 said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are 
in Christ Amen. Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Amen. That's the gospel. Amen. We can differ upon creeds. We can differ upon man-made uh, theories. You can go to a Methodist church, you have to be a Methodist, a Baptist, a Baptist, a Catholic, a Catholic. But when once you're baptized into Christ and become a member of His body, there's no differences. The middle walls of petition is torn down and you're free because you're in Christ Jesus. And you worship God in spirit and in truth. When you are in Christ Jesus, it's God's plan for you to worship Him in Christ Jesus. Now... No church denomination can claim this. No one can claim that. How dare you to make such claims? To do such a thing would be an antichrist spirit. Be taken away from Christ. To take from Him. You cannot do that. Christ is the only place that God meets the worshipers. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the miracle of Calvary, where you took on flesh and died for the sins of sinful men. And so we pray, Father, asking that you might help us, Father, to have reverence that blood and to come and meet you under that chosen place of worship and not under a creed or an idea or a presumption, but under complete faith and confidence in your word. Be with us for the remainder of the day. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. God, in your prayer.